Welcome to Love Your Heart, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic's Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute. These podcasts will help you learn more about your heart, thoracic, and vascular systems, ways to stay healthy, and information about diseases and treatment options. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Doug Johnston. I'm the Vice Chairman of Thoracic and Cardiovascular Surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic. And in addition, I run our training programs for residents and fellows who are training to become cardiac surgeons. One of my areas of interest in surgery is disease of the pericardium, which is something that is not a common problem. We're probably one of the few places in the world that really thinks about these problems and deals with them on a daily or weekly basis. Uh, But pericardial surgery is a passion of mine. I learned it in my training here from one of the surgeons who was one of the few people in the world who was doing this for 20 or 30 years. And I'm very proud to carry on that tradition here at the Cleveland Clinic. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about why we think that pericardial disease deserves uh, a very specific approach and why you might benefit from talking to some people who really think deeply about pericardial disease. If you or a family member has this problem and if you're thinking about, in particular, having a surgery or other intervention on the pericardium. So the pericardium, as you may know, is, is the typically uh, referred to as the lining around the heart. It's not really the right term. It's a, it's a sac that forms around the heart as the heart is developing. And in normal people, it's relatively thin. It's a very flexible membrane that surrounds the heart. And there's a thin layer of fluid between that membrane and the heart that lets the heart have some lubrication as it beats. People often think of the pericardium as this protective shield around the heart, and they worry that if we do something to the pericardium, they're going to be at risk for infection or injury. Um, and frankly, that's not really the case. There are, rarely there are people who are born without a pericardium, and they do fine. And uh, we find that patients who've had a pericardiectomy where we remove the pericardial sac can have a very normal quality of life, and they're really not at risk for, for any of these problems that people are concerned about. So uh, first thing we want to say is that you can live a very normal life without a pericardium if it comes to that point. And that brings us to when would somebody need to have a pericardial surgery? So broadly, there's two groups of patients that we see uh, where we're considering whether we should do a pericardiectomy, which is removal of the pericardium. So group one are people who've had pericarditis, which is inflammation of the pericardium. And in a lot of patients, that may be just a little bit of chest pain that you have in association with a cough or a cold or other viral illness. And it goes away and you never see a doctor again. So that's the most common presentation of pericarditis. A small number of patients will have recurrent episodes of chest pain. So you had pain three weeks ago and it went away and then you've got this really bad pain that makes you very fatigued and makes it hard to go through your daily activities. And when you see your doctor, they might measure some blood tests that say that you've got inflammation in your body. For many patients, it takes a long time to figure out that this is coming from the pericardium and it can be a difficult diagnosis. But this recurrent inflammation is what we call relapsing recurrent pericarditis. For a lot of patients, you may end up on steroids, so a drug like prednisone, which can do a great job of of knocking down the pericarditis so you feel better. But for many people, this gets into a cycle where you have to be on prednisone in order for the pericarditis to be under control. And prednisone has its own complications over the long term. Some patients end up on three or four medications to help control their pericarditis. And at some point, it gets to be a decision of, am I going to continue with these medications that give me side effects? Maybe the medications are ineffective except at very high doses. And somebody may bring up the question of whether doing surgery can either be curative or at least make you require less medication. 
So that's an instance where we're really doing an operation to treat your symptoms or your dependence on a medication. And while that's a relatively new indication for pericardiectomy, um, increasingly we're seeing patients with these problems. And while our colleagues in cardiology and rheumatology do a great job of treating with medications, sometimes the medications just don't work. Um, fortunately for many patients, surgery is really curative for this problem. So we don't want to do an operation that requires opening your chest lightly. And what I tell patients with this problem is, as long as your heart function is good, and the reason that we're seeing you is because you have symptoms or you're dependent on medication, really there's no magic time when surgery is the right thing. So as a general guideline, if you or you and your family are completely fed up with your disease and you really can't see going on with more trials of medication, then we should talk about surgery. If you feel like medicine's doing an okay job, then let's continue with medication until you and your doctors and your family feel like it's not uh, either not working, you're not getting better, or that you're developing complications from the medication. So it comes down to a very personal decision. What does surgery entail? Um, usually it's an incision in the middle of the chest, and our goal as surgeons is to remove 100% of the pericardium. So we call that a radical pericardiectomy. That is probably not an approach that you've heard at other institutions if you've been seen by, by doctors elsewhere. There are only a few places in the world that really do radical pericardial surgery. Uh, it's not that it's terribly technically difficult to do, but it requires a team who's really used to doing this procedure. And uh, the goal of that is to take the two nerves which run down the outside of the pericardium, they're called the phrenic nerves, pull those away from the pericardium, those are the nerves that feed your diaphragm, and then we want to remove the entire pericardial sac so there's nothing left over that can come back and cause inflammation and make your disease get worse down the road. So that's relapsing recurrent pericarditis, and I think key take-home message there is that you want to have an experienced team of doctors to help you make the decision what's the best medical therapy and when surgery might be appropriate, and you want to have a surgical team that can do a radical pericardiectomy. In that disease process, it is truly essential to get all the pericardium out. Second category of patients that I see very frequently are those patients who may have had pericarditis 20 years ago and now have what's called pericardial constriction. So they had some inflammation, and over time, this pericardial sac has begun to uh, become scarred. And as it's scarred, it, it shrinks and it really squeezes the outside of the heart. It's like having a cage around the outside of the heart. Typical symptoms for this are swelling of the ankles, sometimes fatigue. Um, the fatigue can be very extreme where people really feel like they can do almost none of their usual activities. Um, and often abdominal swelling. Pants size changed a couple of sizes without a major change in your diet. So the symptoms usually are slow in onset, uh, but they can be very difficult to treat. And uh, eventually patients typically end up on uh, diuretic medication to help them pee out some of the, the fluid. Uh, many of the patients who come to see me have had a period of time of even a couple of years where nobody knew what the diagnosis was. So often it helps to see a team of doctors who are experienced in this type of disease. When do we decide to operate? The short answer is that we want to operate for pericardial constriction when, when the constriction is real, when the pericardium is squeezing the heart and it's starting to exert some, some force on the outside of the heart and cause some problems, but before the patient gets really sick. Late stage pericardial constriction can cause such an increase in the backup of blood that patients can actually get liver cirrhosis from the back pressure in the liver. It's not to say we can't help people when they get to that stage, but ideally we're going to operate when a patient is still healthy and active, 
but when they're starting to have symptoms that are real. The principle of treating constriction is pretty simple. It's sort of like taking the eggshell off an egg. And I say eggshell for a reason in that a lot of these patients have calcium that forms in the pericardium where literally they've got this shell around the heart that we have to take off. Um, we want to take the entire shell off, much as we talked about in patients with inflammatory disease. Um, the challenges are somewhat different in that sometimes the heart is a little bit weak underneath this shell of uh, pericardium, and we have to be prepared to give the heart some support early after surgery, especially in more severe cases. But the principle is the same. We want to do a complete operation. We want to release the cage completely from around the heart. The term again is radical pericardiectomy. So we want to give the patient the best chance for an early recovery that is smooth and for a late outcome that is as good as possible. So, so let's talk a little bit about that. What are the outcomes after pericardial surgery? What could you expect after the operation? Typically, people are in the hospital about five days to a week. Um, the healthier you are when you have the operation, the shorter the hospital stay. Most people are pretty much up and running by about six weeks. And the, as far as the symptoms of pericardial constriction go, the swelling and those kind of things, um, those can take a little while to go away completely. So we expect kind of a slow improvement over the first two or three months. But it is one of the few operations we do where sometimes people wake up from surgery and literally go, ah, I, feel, I can feel the difference. I feel the relief. So it's a very satisfying uh, procedure for us to be able to do for people who are suffering. Um, why is it important to have a particular type of pericardial operation? Well, we've looked very carefully at the operations we've done here over 25 plus years, more than 600 pericardiectomies. We do about 50 to 60 a year now. And what we found is that doing a complete operation for someone who has pericardial constriction, doing a radical pericardiectomy, does not result in any worse early outcomes. Some surgeons will say that they favor doing a limited operation or what's called phrenic to phrenic, just taking the front of the pericardium out because it's less risky. We've shown that that's not the case. We can do a complete operation with the same upfront risk, which for a patient with isolated pericardial disease who doesn't have a lot of other medical problems, the risk of mortality is about 1%, a little over 1%. Um, what's the benefit of doing a more complete operation? Well, we've shown that over the first 10 years after surgery, the survival, the life expectancy is actually better with a complete surgery than with an incomplete surgery. And I think for many patients who otherwise have a long life expectancy and want to live long, healthy, normal lives, this is something we have to think about very carefully. So I would encourage you to find a group of doctors who really thinks about pericardial disease and to ask them some of these very important questions. What's the right timing for me? What type of operation do you plan to do? And if you have any questions about that, we're here 24 seven. Um, our team of pericardial experts include surgeons, cardiologists, rheumatologists, who think about this disease very carefully. And often we can begin the process with a remote visit. So we can talk to you virtually, look at your records and give you a starting point to think about where you may wanna go from here. Thanks a lot for listening and uh, look forward to speaking with you directly about your pericardial issues sometime in the future. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash loveyourheartpodcast. podcast.